Welcome to Inside College Admission. My name is Peter Van Busker, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Heath Einstein, who is the Dean of Admission at Texas Christian University. Welcome, Heath. How are you today? I'm doing well, Peter. Great to be back with you. Good to have you. And today, you know, is, is an interesting conversation because I know that you're at the end of one cycle with a, a group of students making the decision to enroll, but the clock doesn't stop. The calendar doesn't stop for you guys, does it? You're, you're beginning with another cycle of now rising seniors who are beginning to think in earnest about the application process. So how's that working for you? Yeah, it never really does stop. We, we always say that um, the month of May typically allows us the opportunity, if we've closed our class, to take a little bit of a breath. It's kind of just a half breath. The reality is that we have already started the recruitment of next year's class. And we did even before the recruitment of this current year uh, was finished. Uh, we're usually a couple of years ahead of the game. My goodness. It, I remember from my days in the Dean of Admissions, it was somewhat maddening to try to deal with the overlapping demands of the cycles. Well, let's focus for this conversation on the perspective of the student who is, for whom the college admission process is becoming real now. And they're, they're obviously thinking about things like testing and visiting campuses and, oh goodness, I need to write a college essay as well. But the, the essay in particular is something I think we'll kind of work our way into in this conversation. But the broader question is, what do kids need to be thinking about as they, they present their credentials? I, historically, I think we talk about the most important factors in an application being the academic piece, the, the courses taken, grades received, and then to a certain extent, the validation that scores provide. But we often then venture into the other stuff, the non-academic stuff. And I think that's where our conversation needs to focus today. What is it? from an admission point of view, what is it that, that can be gleaned about a student outside of the academic piece that is interesting to a, a college or university like Texas Christian? Right, so that is in essence what holistic admission is about. We're not simply looking at a set of data points and making decisions from that. Um, that wouldn't be very interesting um, and it wouldn't frankly yield a particularly interesting class. Um, what we're hoping to do, and we look at this on a, on a macro level to begin with, is bring in a class of students who we think are going to make interesting contributions to our community, who will be high impact in the classroom, on the athletic fields, in the residence halls, in the dining facilities, and all of the other activities that occur in a 24-7 residential community we want to make sure that, that we have students who will impact one another in meaningful ways. And so the way that we can assess that is we start with the academics. That's sort of our baseline, answering the simple question, can the student do the work? Does right. the student, has the student demonstrated both the ability and the potential to do college-level work in our community? But then how does that student present in a way that would allow us to understand, can they impact the community in, in some meaningful way? So we, we're looking at all the other pieces of the required application, the, the essay, letters of recommendation, the, the resume. If colleges al allow students to interview, that might factor in uh, for some schools. So all of these pieces help complete the puzzle and allow us to see the student in as many of their 360 degrees as they're willing to share with us. Which I think is, is a really great assessment of the, the holistic admission process. 
which leads me to a, a question that a lot of students will ask as they begin this process, what is it that they want to see? What is it that the deans of admission want to see in my application? It's almost as though they're looking for the prescription that they can fill for themselves. How do you respond to that? I respond by saying there is no prescription. And that's not a very satisfying answer. I will acknowledge that. And it's not that we're trying to be coy or, or opaque or anything like that. It's just that for every student, it's going to be different. What I, what I like to tell students, because there is this myth out there that, that we're looking for these well-rounded kids, right? And so students, as they go through high school, they think, um, and they're being sent these messages implicitly or, or explicitly, I need to be involved in X number of clubs, I need to have Y number of leadership positions, and, and if I check all of these boxes, that will necessarily make me attractive to you know, the most selective colleges in the country. I think my colleagues in, in selective admission would, would say, we're not looking for well-rounded students. We are looking for a well-rounded class that is made up of, in many cases, Angular students. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't be well-rounded, right? If you, if you genuinely have interests in a lot of different areas and you've had a chance to pursue those, that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also nothing wrong with being you know, a really talented artist and spending your time outside the classroom pursuing that at a super high level where that's taken up the majority of your time or being an athlete or being heavily involved in service to your community. Um, all of those things are good and there's not a prescription that says you need to do all of those things um, because I don't think it's realistic to believe that most high school students can do all of those things, have the time to do all those things, and have the interest to do all those things. And the last thing I want to do is to have students jump through hoops because they think it's going to get them into college. High school is hard enough. The adolescent years are hard enough. We should be encouraging students to really explore areas of potential passion. And, and I, I sometimes hesitate to use that word because when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, sometimes you don't have a passion yet. That's okay. Right. But explore different disciplines outside the, the classroom and see where those passions may naturally develop and then continue with vigor. How easy is it for an admission officer to look at credentials? And I, I know you're looking at thousands of credentials in a, in a given season uh, and, and discern the student who's really authentically engaged in different things as opposed to somebody who's the, the resume builder. Well, I got to do this. I got to do that just to look good in my application. Usually the other elements of the application will support the authenticity. So a student might choose to write their personal statement on an element of something they've done outside the classroom or a combination of things that they've done, which, which lend credence to that. Sometimes they'll talk about those in supplemental uh, questions or custom questions that the particular college asks. Um, and often those letters of recommendation, one from a school uh, counselor and one or more from a teacher also speak to those things. Very often what we find is a student who does like to genuinely um, dip into several different areas, that that is reflected in their classroom experience as well. So a teacher, even though they might be talking about what's going on in the classroom specifically, we can still tell by the way the student engages with different populations in the classroom, um, a different a variety of, of, of materials within a, the classroom setting, 
that that mirrors what's happening outside the classroom as well. I don't think most people think about that. I don't, I'm sure most students don't think about that. But you know, as you go through this and you, and you read thousands and thousands of these things, you can you can see those connections being made. You, you mentioned something just a minute ago about service as well, and I suspect throughout the year you you, you hear people asking the question, presuming that, that there is a correct answer. Well, doing community service is really important, right? Uh, in fact, I had a, a situation years ago where a mother said to me, "How important is community service to colleges? My I can't get my son to do community service." And I said, "What does your, what does your son like to do? He seems to like theater." Well, why not encourage his theater involvement? What about service? Because I think there, there is this notion that above everything else, colleges want service-oriented kids. I'd push back on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I would suggest we want community-oriented kids. And there are lots of ways to engage in community without necessarily you know, doing 20 hours at the local homeless shelter. Not that that's bad, that's actually good. And we want students who, who do that, but I don't think everyone has to do that to somehow prove that, they, that they're worthy of admission to, to a college or university. Nowadays, it's fairly common for high schools to have a minimum number of community service hours required in order for a student to uh, be eligible to graduate. And that's a good thing. I think that that's great that high schools are building that into the course of, of, a, of a high school student's journey. However, if a high school requires 20 hours of service in order to graduate, and you look at the resume and you see that there have been precisely 20 hours of service done, then it would suggest to me that the student is really just sort of going through the motions. Doing compulsory um, service, yes. It's compulsory service, exactly. Similarly, there's a difference between a student who has done 40 hours at one place versus capturing three hours here, five hours there, and 10 hours somewhere else, and sort of cobbling it together. Again, not that it's a, a negative. It certainly wouldn't hold, we wouldn't hold that against a student who has done the cobbling part, but a student who has really focused in one service organization, that says to us that this is probably something that the student cares about, and, and that's a good thing. So I would say that there's, a, there's an added value there. You ever have students say something like this, you know, I, I, I know what it's going to take academically to get into your school, but I don't know how to set myself apart. How do I compete with the other students? How, how would you respond to that student? I think that's a common concern that students have and, and that parents have. And we talk a lot about, about this with students as we're um, helping them understand our process. It's really clear to us as we're reviewing applications who has taken the time to think about how they can leverage the application in a way to help them stand out. And it goes beyond just making sure that I's are dotted and T's are crossed, although that's a pretty good start, you know, making sure that you're using proper uh, punctuation and, and grammar, but more so a student who's trying to tell us their story. You know, everybody has a story, Peter. And I find that students often don't give themselves enough credit. They think that if they haven't had a chance to scale Kilimanjaro or cure an insidious disease, that they somehow haven't lived up to the expectation. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is that most 17-year-olds haven't done those sorts of things, and that's okay. But it doesn't mean that you're not interesting or that you're not somebody we'd like to have in our community. 
So there are ways to create threads in the application that would help a student stand out. So, so the first thing is, is sort of taking stock of who you are and what you want the college to know about you, and then trying to build those pieces consistently throughout the application. If a student does that successfully, then they will have a more competitive chance of being uh, admitted. My observation to students also is that if, if you don't know how to set yourself apart, you're looking in the wrong place too. Because oftentimes what they're doing is they're looking at the things, they, things they've done very objectively. They know their grades, courses, scores, et cetera. They know their, their, their resume, uh, but they haven't really figured out how to, to use your point, weave it together. So the, the, to me, they, they need to look inside. They look, need to look internally to understand how these things are coming together to define the person. That's right. It's not, it's not what you've done, it's who you are. And, and more to the point, it's the, it's the marriage of those things. How does who you are manifest in the things you've done? I think that's a, that's a great assessment. Now, let's take it a step further. Still, we, we need to help kids get from the notion of this is what I do to this is who I am. Do you have any particular tips, suggestions that, that can help a young person get from that sense of here's my resume to this is who I am, understanding the, 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 the difference there? Well, I think I would start with the who I am. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you're thinking about your college essay, because that's a real uh, common thing to be doing at this point in the calendar, if you're a high school junior heading into the summer of senior year, applications are going to open up in just a couple of months. I know that's a frightening thought for a lot of people, including us, because we just finished reviewing, reviewing a bunch of applications. You know, the college essay is the part of the application that is most in the student's control at this point because almost everything else is either completely out of their control or mostly out of their control, right? So think about your, your transcript, the grades that have been earned that are gonna appear on the application have mostly been earned already. Can't change you, might, them. <laughs> you can't change them. And, and it's, you know, we're sitting here in, in, in May, so high school students may have another, may have another month or maybe just a few weeks left in their school year. They don't have a whole lot of wiggle room there. And then we've got first semester senior year grades, which may or may not be included as part of the assessment at a, uh, uh, in a college admission office. So, so there's little in control there. You don't know what your teacher and your counselor are going to say about you in letters of recommendation. You can assume that they're going to be positive, but you don't have actual control over that. But you do have control over your essay. So that's a real common place for students to start. So when we think about the essay, I think it's a great idea for a student to, to think about what is the story I want the college to know about me? Not Don't look at the resume and think, what am I going to write about? But think, what are, who am I? What are my core values? What do I stand for? You know, if I, if I had to pick just three or four adjectives or values that describe who I am, the combination of which might be unique, and then you go from there. Then, then what have I done in my life, whether in a formal way or some vignette that I can share that can help the college see those qualities? That's, I think, the, the direction I would advise students to go. Some of the best essays I've read, Peter, over the years are not what you might traditionally think of as a college essay. Um, the one that always comes to mind, um, I, actually, I've got, I've got two that come to mind. One is a student, and I often use this as, as an example when students come to campus and, and we talk about essays. There was a student who wrote an essay several years ago about 
her Christmas experience. Every year, she and her brother love Christmas because it's their time to get away because she really, they, they, they have a mutual distaste for their aunt's cooking. Oh my, okay. Okay, and she goes oh. into great detail talking about how disgusting the food is that her aunt prepares with a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, she, but she says, so my brother and I always find time to get away and we just have like a quiet meal together. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is so cool, right? Because she's taken a really simple story. And what we learn about her is about her, her love. And we learn about her relationships and how important people are to her and her family and, and all these things. And, and, and I, so I love that one. The other essay that stands out to me over the years, and I, I had a student write this, gosh, probably 16 or 17 years ago now, um, his love of books. And he didn't just say, I love books but he wrote about a bookstore that he went to on a family trip to Milwaukee. And he, and he talks about how, you know, one wouldn't necessarily associate Milwaukee uh, with books, but for me, that's what's always, what I'm always reminded of when I, when I think of that, that city, right? And he goes to, t- to describe in really vivid detail what, the, what that bookstore smelled like and felt like and, and all of that. And what we learn about the student is he's really funny He's creative um, and he's a voracious reader and he talks about his favorite authors and, and we get to know what kinds of books he likes. So I mean, we really get a good sense of his personality from, from reading, um, reading that essay. So anything that can help, help us see you as a person and see you in, with, you know, in terms of your values is, is always going to stand out. That doesn't mean you can't write about scoring the winning goal in the soccer game or you know, being a counselor at a summer camp. Um, those are all good things too. It's just that you want to be able to write something that helps us see the person, not just the accomplishments. And, and isn't it interesting? You remember the good ones for yeah. a long time, uh, for a long time. And, and maybe that's a, a, a tip here as well. As, as students approach this, uh, you want to put together a story that is reflective of who you are, but it, do it in such a way that admission officers will remember you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peter, you know this piece of advice because you've probably dispensed it before and it's, it's common among uh, admission officers, but uh, I find it to be true. And that is, if your essay was left in the school hallway without your name on it and someone picked it up and read it, would they know that it was you? And if the answer is no, then it's probably too generic mm-hmm. and you need to go back and try it again. Absolutely. And, and I, just a, a, a further footnote on that and the things that you were sharing, it, it seems then that the essay is, is, should focus less on the, the facts of your presentation, but more the feelings and you know, how, how did you engage with, with what was going on? I'd like to, to kind of shift real quickly to the other opportunity for sharing the story that you alluded to earlier, and that is the interview. How, how should students see the interview? If a, college, if a college offers an interview, whether it's required or just made available, should, should, should we bother? Well, I think any opportunity that a student can take up on having the, the school get to know them even better is, a, is generally a good idea. Occasionally, students who are really fearful, I mean, uh, truly, they, they, they don't necessarily present well one-on-one and, um, and they get nervous and so forth. On occasion, you might advise them not to, but those are actually pretty rare. I mean, it would have to be an extreme case. There's a natural nervousness that goes into this 
process, right? And we've all we've all been there. Anyone who's interviewed for anything knows that there's there's some anxiety involved. So I think if it's just sort of like that natural low level anxiety, that's that's okay. I can tell you in all of the years I've interviewed students, um, and I've been at this now for 20 years, I can only remember on one occasion, one, where I recommended that we not admit the student on the basis of the interview alone. And the reason for that, I remember it really clearly. This was very early in my career, Peter. The student did not want to be there. Mm -hmm. I got the sense that the student was there because mom or dad made the student apply to the university and he had no interest and he was sabotaging himself. Short of that, if you come in with an open mind and an open heart, even if you gave answers that you weren't real crazy about, it, it's, it's pro at worst, it's going to have no effect. And, and that's assuming that the interview is a value to start with, which is not necessarily a safe assumption. In many cases, the interview is, is informational. And here's the thing that students don't realize. You're interviewing us just as much as we're interviewing you. And um, I always tell our uh, counselors on our staff um, that you need to use the interview as an opportunity to continue to market the university. Um, you want the student to walk away being really excited about the school as much as we're excited about them. Um, and so it really is a two-way street, but I don't think most students see it that way. It, it, more than an interview, it's a conversation between two people who'd like to get to know each other. That's right. That's right. Now, sometimes they are done with admission officers. Sometimes they're done with alumni, mm -hmm. um, graduates of the institution who, um, who love their alma maters and want to give back. And it's a great way to, that, that they're able to do that. And sometimes the interview has minimal weight. Sometimes it has no weight, as I mentioned before. In very, very few cases, is it the reason why a student gets in or doesn't get in, as, as I shared. So, so students should probably um, not apply as much pressure as, as they naturally would, but, but look at it as a, as a neat opportunity. Well, at the risk of putting my, my thumb on the scale here, though, when the student does have the interview with an admission staff person, that person's a decision maker. And it, it cannot hurt to have some exposure, would you say, to somebody who might be in the room later with your credentials? It, that's true. That's true. Um, now, the admission officer is typically not the only decision maker, but they, right. are, they are somebody whose opinion gets factored in to, to the decision. So uh, I think that, that that's accurate. Uh, we, what I hear, and we're, we are not a university that uses alumni interviewers, but what I hear from my colleagues at places that do is sometimes... Um, there is some, a level of frustration when the alumni interviewer uh, really loves the student and then the student doesn't get in. And they're saying, well, why didn't I have more say in the process? <laughs> so we can get into, a, sometimes you get into a little bit of trouble there, but uh, I guess uh, I'm glad that we don't, uh, ad haven't adopted that policy. So much to consider here. And, and this has been a great conversation. Uh, I hope those who are listening, particularly students who are listening, understand that, that supplying information on the college application, preparing your, the application itself is, is more than a matter of just assembling parts. It's a matter of considering how you want to connect the dots of your life with that application. And the students who do it in a pretty thoughtful way, as Heath has described, uh, can end up on the positive end of a decision. No guarantees, but it, it certainly helps to be thoughtful and intentional about the way you approach the application. Heath, this has been great. I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm sure that those who have been listening will, will take great benefit from the conversation we've had. And to those who are listening, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll look forward to the next opportunity to talk about the college admission process. Have a great day, everybody.